0: Part of our tradition is Dr. Kevin Lehman, who's been joining us on this holiday weekend now for about 103 years. (laughs) And we are so glad that he is here. He is a gifted psychologist who follows Jesus' teachings, who loves Jesus, who loves his family, and who loves the family. He is a prolific writer. Uh, He has now finished his 36th book and working on a couple more. And uh, just incredible. In fact, be sure you stop by the tables in the back and check out those books. They'll be very helpful for you. You perhaps have seen him or heard him on radio broadcasts or on national uh, programs such as Good Morning America. We are glad that this morning this is a good morning for us because he is here with us. Would you please welcome Dr. Kevin Lehman?
1: morning. It really is nice to be back. It's been, I don't know how many years it's been, but I I need to tell you the first time Jack asked me to come here, I, in my mind, I said, okay, a pastor needs a weekend away, and, and I like pastors. Pastors, quite frankly, get harpooned a little too often from people who love the Lord, and we're not appreciative enough of what pastors do. You know when the When the phone rings at 2 a.m. and you get the bad news, something just happened, you tell me who you call. Not Ghostbusters. You call your pastor. you got a good one here. He and Pam do a great job, as the rest of your people do. So, anyway, I I thought I was just doing a pastor a favor, and he showed up. And I thought, well, what's going on here? I don't know. And he showed up. I think, I think you only missed once in many years we've been here, so it's a pleasure to be here. It's always a busy weekend for our family. We had 27 people at our home last night, and we have a place over on Chautauqua Lake, and all rooms are filled. And so my wife, uh, who does most of that uh, stuff in our house, was a very busy lady, so she's a little zonked out this morning. But it's a pleasure to be here uh, with you. Uh, Jack mentioned I, I did 36 books. Uh, and it's interesting Why, why why would book 36 outsell all the others have a new kid by Friday why would that book outsell every other book I mean there's the birth order book and making children mine without losing yours and sheet music and sex begins in the kitchen which did much for walk cookery uh... But this little book has just taken off. It's just engulfed all the rest of them. Hit the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, I I think that sort of scratched where people itch today. If you go over to Mill Creek Mall and just have yourself a seat and just watch, you'll know why some mothers eat their young. (laughs) Some of you are old enough to remember... When kids used to obey their parents. Do you remember? How many of you remember those days? Now parents obey their kids. It's crazy. You don't need a Ph.D. for this stuff. This is simple. It is so simple. And the Scripture, you know, there's not a lot of Scriptures that just tell you, okay, this is what you do in rearing of children. But there's a couple of them that are cornerstone Scriptures, and here's one of them. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I'm convinced if I gave each of us an essay exam on that scripture, we'd flunk it this morning. Because most people really don't get it. Get what? Get what that scripture means. Let's start with the word train, okay? Train is different from teaching. Training suggests an ongoing process. I'm here to tell you that most parents don't train their children. I've watched uh, at a dinner table where a little ankle biter is sat in their little seat, and they stay there for a while, and then the parents go over. And by the way, for those of you who have little ankle biters who are two years old, when dinner's over, it's over. You know, pretty soon they're going to do this, or they're going to do the behind-the-back trick, and the food's going to be flying. It's over. But the parent will pick up the child and then put them on their lap and feed them on their lap. Or I had a, I had a young mom just tell me yesterday, well, she sleeps through She sleeps through until about 6 a.m., but then I pick her up and I put her in bed with me. Don't start habits that you don't want to continue throughout your child's college education. Training. I mean, you do it over and over and over again. I would never say publicly that re- rearing a puppy and rearing a child would have similarities. I would never say that publicly. <laughs> but you got to practice, and your kids got to learn. Train. That's an interesting word, train. We do become proficient. Those of you who are parents, remember when you're a first-time parent. I mean, you freak over, freak out about everything that happens with your child. If they touch dirt in a park, oh, 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 honey, put it in their mouth, call the doctor, call it, please call a doctor, take them over to Hammett, run them through ER. Really. Six years later, third-born child, same park, picks up a filthy cigarette butt complete with filter, puts it in their mouth, chews it, swallows it, your husband looks at you and says, good roughage. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Good for the colon. Good for the colon. So all you little firstborn children, you know, your parents practiced on you. You were guinea pigs. You know. You were the one your parents said to you, Listen, I don't care what she did. you understand me? You are the oldest. I expect a little bit more out of a young woman. Does that resonate in anybody's heart? Now, listen, train up a child. Most of us don't get it. We train down children. We make decisions for them. We fight their battles for them. Uh, We think for them. It's train up a child, not train down a child. You shouldn't snowplow the roads of life for your kids. You're not enabling them, parents. You're disabling them when you do things for kids that they could do for themselves. Hey, would you kiss that, turn that TV down in there, I'm trying to do your homework. <laughs> we do the kids' homework. We do the science fair project for them. Well, Ralph, no, we didn't do it, Dr. We, we Well, Ralph went and bought, you know, they need some Sturdy Born for that presentation, and... The kids aren't very mechanically gifted, so Ralph just, you know, made some hinges for it. And, well, I have some artistic training, and I did a little coloring of it. But it was their project. I'm a former dean of students. What does that mean? Used to throw people out of school for smoking a green leafy substance in the residence hall. I'm not kidding. I had parents call me from New York, New Jersey, Chicago, Illinois, and say, Dean Lehman, Anthony, he's just a boy. He's only 21. <laughs> so train up a child. Now, again, I don't want to reference puppies too often on this Sunday morning. But when do you start training a puppy? When he's a year old? You know? And what do you do with him when he does something inappropriately? Do you get the newspaper out and whack the daylights out of him? Talk to somebody who trains dogs. If they do their duties in the wrong place, you pick up the little sucker, you put him outside. Pretty soon he figures out, you know, that grass is a much more interesting place to do my duties than that Berber rug. It's sort of boring in the house. Not much to smell there. But it takes a constant what? Training to get that child to do what you want them to do. The book of Deuteronomy reminds us to teach kids what? At the knee. So you don't wait till the kid's in a hormone group rolling their eyes, you know saying, you never do this, you never do that. By the way, that's a whole other crowd at the Mill Creek Mall. They are weirder than weird. In the way he should go. Train up a child in the way he should go. There's lots of ways the kids could go, okay? But if you look at your three kids, your two kids, your four kids, or perhaps you grew up like I did, Roman Catholic, you have nine. Look how different they are. Look how different those kids are. God made us all different. He gave it all different gifts. The first two kids in a family are always night and day different. Think how difficult it is to think of sports figures. Sports figures. Professional sports figures who all excel in the same sport. Are you thinking? Who do you think of? Tennis is in vogue right now. Who do you think of? Venus and Serena Williams. Or football's coming You've got the Manning brothers. Beyond that, i got news for you. It's a stretch. Why? Because once a path is chosen, okay, it's rarely, rarely challenged by the child behind it. Why? It's filled. Kids tend to compete. They go in different paths. There are a lot of paths their child can take in the way he should go. Now, every kid's going to be different. So your job as a parent is to sort of figure out, okay, this one is good at this, this one's good at that. I Do a mental quick list in the family you grew up in, parents, the family you grew up in. They're all adults. Maybe some of them are in heaven today already. But what's the one word you would use to describe your older brother or older sister? Go through the whole family. Do you see the differences? We have have the little Miss Goody Two-Shoes who never did anything wrong. You know, she's a little perfectionist, puts newspaper under the cuckoo clock. You know, you know that person? And then you got the one who walks around like pig pen, you know, sort of a slob, underwears in the back pocket, doesn't seem to matter. You know, every kid in a family is what? Different. The miraculous thing is all these cubs come out of the same den. God created them, what? Differently. Differently. So how do we treat parents and families? All right, everyone listen up. I want everybody in bed now. Why do you say that? Because you want to fool around with a wife. Tell the truth. No. You do that. Why would I say that, Jack? But see, it's expedient to treat kids the same. They're not the same. Does God treat you the same as your neighbor? No. He gives us different gifts. He made us all different. Identical twins, one of my favorite examples in life. Identical twins. They're genetically the same people. They have the same DNA. But why did Almighty God give them different fingerprints? Different fingerprints. To help the FBI and the local police? (laughs) No, it was God's way of saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are what? You are different than everybody else. This is the part you're going to flunk on the test. Some of you think you're pretty smart by now and just train up a child in the way you should go. This is the part you flunk. Uh, Train up a child in the way he should go now here's the tough part for for a parent because quite frankly you, you sort of know which direction your kid ought to go but i point out that this scripture doesn't really talk about what you think it's how god would have your child go it really does speak to what we just talked about the individual bent of each of your children And lots of times what we do with kids, quite frankly, is we try to muscle them under. We become the authoritarian. I mentioned my Roman Catholic roots in Buffalo, New York. And I'm here to tell you, when you grew up in Buffalo, New York, you were threatened with going to Father Baker's. I lived in fear of Father Baker's. You're going to Father Baker's. I was doing an autograph party in Buffalo, New York. My cousin Pat came by, Pat Lehman. He worked at the Chevy plant in Buffalo, New York. He told me a story about father baker because see we lived in fear as kids in our days growing up fear and and pat was put out on the street literally sitting at the curb with a little box with some clothes in it because he sassed his mother and my uncle eddie came home from work he was a milkman now you young kids you'll have to ask your grandparents what was a milkman and uh, he saw his little seven-year-old son, seven, sitting on the curb by himself. He walked by and he said, what are you doing here? I'm waiting for Father Baker. He said, you sassed your mother, didn't you? Yeah. Now, what does my loving uncle say to Cousin Pat? You can't miss him. He drives a big black truck. and walks into the house a seven-year-old kid that's how it was we were the authoritarian parents you remember what did your kid what did your parents say to you hey you listen up you going to do what i tell you to do <laughs> hey you want something to cry about i'll give you something to cry about That's the authoritarian. As we were singing and worshiping the Lord this morning. Is He the authoritarian? Does He grab us by the scruff of the neck? Does He twist our earlobe and say, You will do this, you will do that? You know, He really doesn't. He's not the authoritarian God, is He? But He's not the permissive God that so many parents have turned into today. Oh, Dr. Lehman, Uh, Riley plays soccer, but I'm happy to tell you it's non-competitive soccer. We strongly believe every child should be a winner. Every child gets a trophy. Where do people come up with these things? That in life you don't fail. If, you know, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, and maybe you did it right here in this church, i got news for you. You did so through failure. You know the song, I Surrender All? Most of us say, you know, I surrender all, you know, 94%. But if you become a believer, you fork it all over. And God comes into your life through His Son, Jesus Christ. And you walk out, what, a new creature. But it's the failure the parents don't get it today. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Is that a lot guaranteed? Not really. But you know what? If you train up kids and they're on the right path and you teach them to choose right decisions, you know what? It increases the probability so much of that kid choosing the right path for their entire life where it becomes the major reference point of everything they do in life. When I did the book, Have a New Kid by Friday, and by the way, I should warn you, in the fall, October 1 to be exact, we're releasing the book, Have a New Husband by Friday. (laughs) You women who are so relational, you thrive on relationships, you hug anything that moves, then you go to kiss each other and you miss. That's a whole other story. If you could only understand how clearly simple your husband is. This is a book for you women to read. Have a new husband by Friday. And a couple chapters into the book, you're going to figure out something. Wait a minute. If I want a new husband, I'm going to have to do some changing. I was sharing it with Pastor Jack the Wednesday part of the book. It's laid out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then you've got the new husband. The Wednesday part is, ladies, think about what you're going to say to your husband. Now divide it by ten. See, men, let me give you a word picture of your husband, ladies. He's a seal. He's a seal. And he's sitting on a rock in the ocean. And you say something nice about him, especially in front of other people. You've thrown your husband, Harold, a three-pound fish. And he'll wolf that little puppy down and he'll take his little flippers and he'll bang them together for you. If you threw him a ball, he'd balance it on his nose for you. We men want to please you. It's just that you're so... Uh, different from us because you're so complex so God created you women with all these complexities us men are pretty simple oh by the way will there ever be a book Have a New Wife by Friday never Back to have a new kid by Friday. Uh, again, you don't have to be a Ph.D. to figure this out. Listen to the message in this book. Number one, parents, say it once. Say it once. Turn your back. Walk away. Don't get in this battle with your kids. Fighting is an act of cooperation. When you fight with your wife, gentlemen, you know exactly what to say to escalate the battle further. Mentioning your mother might just do it. Okay? So fighting is an act of cooperation. So you say it once, you turn your back, you walk away. Tuesday, we talk about attitude, behavior, and character. Let reality be the teacher. Kid doesn't clean the garage on a Saturday. There's no warnings. There's no reminding. There's no coaxing. He's looking for the car keys. He's 17 years old. Okay? He plays in a summer hockey league at night. He can't find the keys for the car Hey, Dad, Dad, where were the keys? Honey, you won't need the keys. Dad, i got hockey practice. i got to go. Honey, the car's not going anywhere, and neither are you. That's what we call let reality be the teacher. Is there going to be a blowout? Yes. There's going to be a blowout. But would you rather have a blowout or a slow leak? So that's what's sort of nice about this. It sort of hones it down. I think that's why people can, can grab a hold of that kind of stuff. Learn to respond rather than react. Most of us as parents, we react. You can learn to respond. I mean, kids say stupid things. Husbands say stupid things, ladies. You think you could possibly say, what an interesting thought, John. And you're thinking, that is the stupidest thing I ever heard of. (laughs) But, But why invite battle if there's a way of not doing battle? B doesn't happen before A is completed. Oh, really? Boy, there's a bright thing you put in that book. I told you it's simple stuff. But B doesn't happen until A gets completed. That's how life is. And so the home ought to reflect God's teachings. And that's why I take the authoritarians on, but I also take the permissives on, you know. Because that's not God's teaching to be permissive. The Scripture says, St. Paul, children, obey your parents. It's the right thing to do. Why? Because God has placed them in authority over you, not the authoritarian. Again, I feared the shillelagh as a kid in Buffalo, New York. Again, my dad's mom was born in County Clare. Irish Catholic poor people who didn't take time to say to me ever, uh, Kevin, um, would you like to share your feelings on the topic? <laughs> that was never discussed in my home. We were threatened with the shillelagh. You want me to get the shillelagh, he'd say. And I can still remember as a 910 year old kid going, no, no. No, not the shillelagh. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just don't get the shillelagh. Well, God is my judge. I didn't know who shillelagh was. <laughs> I, I never saw a shillelagh. I was a sophomore in college. It's a walking stick. If you don't know you wouldn't want to be hit with it. But that's what you did with kids. Today, parents snowplow the roads of life for kids at every turn. W- one of the best sentences in "Have a new kid by Friday is this. An unhappy child is a healthy child. Think about that for just a second. An unhappy child is a healthy child. Unhappy, healthy. See, the goal is not to create a happy child. Parents they are driven to make sure little Buford and little Fletcher are happy, happy, happy at every turn. In a seminar recently, I picked up a parents magazine, and then I followed it with a month after it. Both headlines. How to have a happy child. How to make sure your baby is happy all day long. That's what today's parents are driven for. Kids are hedonistic, they care about themselves. The first thing they say when they are born ought to be a clue. And it goes downhill from then. Our job is to train up a child, you train them. See, parents today who bring kids up to feed the center of the universe, so kids are the center of the universe, okay? Where's the room for Almighty God in a kid's life? There's no room in a kid's life for God. None at all. So is our job to make sure our kids are happy at every turn? There's times those hedonistic little suckers have to be unhappy. Why? Because they talk back to you because they stole something. They, they ripped their brother or sister for something. They did something inappropriate. So the goal is not to create a happy, happy, happy child, is it? And go, you go back in your life. You tell me what were the learning points in your curve? Where were the points in your life when you turned around? I got thrown out of college. I got thrown out of Cub Scouts. I can tell you a lot of things I got thrown out. I was not the ideal kid. I graduated fourth in the bottom of my class in high school. Was in a reading group with a girl who ate paste. As a senior in high school, I was taking toughies as consumer's mathematics. That's Nancy went to the store with a dollar to buy four apples. She came home with 16 cents. How much were the apples? That was final exam. How many of you grew up in New York State? Anybody? Regents examinations. They have Regents examinations. I never took a one of them. Not a one. I took school exams and flunked those. So... A lot of people wrote Kevin Lehman off. I was the youngest in the family. He had a sister who was perfect and still is to this day. <laughs> had a brother who was a now a retired clinical psychologist who did very well in life. Then it was me. See, I believed the lie that I wasn't good enough. Some of you this morning believe all kinds of lies, and Satan, the great deceiver, makes those lies just a little bit bigger for you. And that's what you battle. You know, you got a group here called Merge. that's your small group, right, Merge? Some of you need to get in those small groups. Now, that makes some men in this room just feel uncomfortable just saying that. Because by our nature, we're arm's length. Hey, honey, what goes on between you and me? You know, what's between you and me? I don't like when you talk to your sister, your mother, your girlfriend about us. But small groups is good for a church. Why? Because it gives us a chance to connect and to share and to pray for each other and to love each other. And that's a, that's a sign of a church that's going to grow and prosper, is an active small group. I'm getting off course and sounding like a preacher. Don't mean to do that. But as we go through the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I just want parents to understand this is a little simpler than you probably think. You just got to be a good parent. Stand up and be a good parent. You don't let kids run over you, but you also use your head, use judgment. We have five kids. We have a daughter who's on top. She's the principal, okay, English teacher. Knows what a dangling participle is, okay? We call her Judge Judy for short. Do you get the picture? She could run your life and mine and a couple other people's, okay? Then we have Chrissy. Now listen to that name, Chrissy. She's 35 years old. Chrissy is her name. Her real name is Kristen. The only person ever called her Kristen was a motorcycle policeman. Chrissy, the firstborn and the, and the, the secondborn, night and day, what different. Then we have a son, Kevin, okay, comedy writer, written a movie, won two Emmys already. And uh, show you how creative I was. I named him Kevin. <laughs> and and then we have Hannah, and we have Lauren. You know, all those kids are different, but all those kids love the Lord. All those kids have a ministry in their heart for people. Sandy and I couldn't be proud of the fact we've reared kids who care about other people. In this day and age of I, I, me, 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 isn't it nice to know that there's kids who want to give to other people? See, I think that's what the Christian faith is trying to teach us. You know, we, 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 we do love others. We extend us ourselves. By the way, you mentioned the uh, makeover. Uh, the, in March, a woman that I co-authored a book with, Kathy Bell, was the recipient of one of those homes in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, I got an inside look at all that. What a wonderful, wonderful experience that is. And for the people who contribute and make that happen, there's the joy in giving. And that's what we're missing in America today. We're teaching kids about the joy of giving to other people. As I was saying you know, it, it's it's just not hard and fast. You have to use the good brain that God gave you. And our son Kevin, one of my favorite stories in life, and I've shared it with you before, but it needs retelling because it, it, it lets us see that we need to use judgment. The kid's 15 years old, okay? He comes to the dinner table one night, and he says, I'm going to get an earring. Well, you should have seen his mother. I call her Mrs. Uppington. She's the classy one of the two of us, Sandy. She about freaked out. And she's going like this, looking at me. Every time Kevin turned around, as if to say, would you say something? I don't want him getting an earring. And that's exactly what she said to me. After dinner, she's in my face. Kevin Lehman, why didn't you say something? Did you hear what he said? He's going to get an earring. I don't want him to get an earring. You tell him straight out he is not getting an earring. At the time, you know what I said? I said, pass the green beans. (laughs) I'm following my own advice. I always tell young parents, if a kid has a temper tantrum, you what? You step over the child. There's a great temptation to step on the child. You step over the child and walk away, the kid's not going to sit there and make a fool of himself but a stranger's. Why? Because the temper tantrum's shown for our benefit. So I stepped over that comment with Kevin. Pass the green beans. Well, Sandy, she was incessant. I mean, she was in my face, you know. Do you, have you talked to your son yet? Honey, I haven't talked to my son yet. Don't worry about it. I am worried about it. I do not mind him having an earring. Three days of her harassing me, okay? I showed up to dinner with an earring in my ear. <laughs> and I'll never forget the moment because I was waiting for him to notice it and he d- didn't even notice it. He's wolfing down his dinner like most 15-year-old kids would do and all of a sudden he sees the glimmer of it as I turn my head. And he go, he does one of these. <laughs> and his eyes narrowed and he says, you look absolutely ridiculous. I said, Really? Your mom likes it. <laughs> he just celebrated his 30th birthday. That was 15 years ago. Haven't seen an earring yet. Those are one of those things you just step over. 1960. Greasy hair. Combed back. Some of you are old enough to remember what a DA was. Had the belt on the side. (laughs) The draped pants that were royal blue. Sort of like the baggy pants you kids wear today. Only at the bottom, they were about that round. Cooler than cool. Walk cool. Talk cool. Oh, and you can do anything. To stay off of my blue suede shoes. I had a pair of blue suede shoes. I got pictures of myself on the football team with a hair comb back. I'm just so glad that Mae Lehman paid more attention to my heart than she did to the clothes I had on. That's what a parent needs to do. You know, this job of being a parent, it doesn't stop, it really doesn't. When our daughter, Chrissy, our second daughter, lost her first baby. Some of you grandparents, some of you mommies have gone through that. You know what that's like. Boy, that's tough. It's just absolutely tough. And we were at the hospital with her and did all those things, and as fate would have it, uh, we had a dinner that night with a publisher that was coming in who wanted me to sign a book contract. And they had arranged to take Sandy and night of dinner. We didn't want to go, but we were All those things. They flew from Michigan. We had to go to dinner. I'll never forget afterward because we came out of the restaurant about 9.30 at night. And I'm walking out, and I can't believe it. I see my, my son-in-law's little Toyota Celica. And uh, he pulls up to the sidewalk where we're getting out of the restaurant. He rolls down the window. He says, Dad, Chrissy had to see it. Just one more time. What do you do? She's lost her baby. She was in the hospital that morning. I walked around. She opened the door. She stood up. I cried. She cried. I held her. She held me. Said a few things with her. Kissed her goodnight. Reassured her I loved her. And life goes on. See, you never stop being a parent, do you? But the message is, be a good one. You don't have to be a great one. Be a good one. By the way, Chrissy's doing well. The five-year-old and three-year-old are, are home right now over on the lake. And she should probably take some time this afternoon and read Have a New Kid by Friday. God bless you.
0: Thank you, Dr. Lehman. That was wonderful. We're going to conclude our gathering today with an expression of worship. We're going to give to God his tithes and our offerings. And in doing so today, I'm going to invite you to also join with us. We would like to give a gift to Dr. Lehman for him being with us today. Uh, He has broken away from his family gathering just to come down here and be with us. And we'll go back up to uh, Chautauqua Lake and hang out with his family. But he has been so kind to break away from his family to spend time with our family today. So I'd like for you to be generous this morning, and if you just take an envelope, in addition to what you've already marked, perhaps take an envelope, just write on it, Dr. Lehman or Kevin, and we'll be able then to get that gift to him and tell him thank you for being with us today. So please prepare yourself to do that. If you're writing a check, just make it out to Erie First Assembly, and we'll make sure that that gets where it needs to go. Would you prepare yourself to do that? I'm going to invite those who are going to be singing during the offertory to come and take your place. These folks are going to be singing for you are part of our group going to the National Fine Arts uh, Ministry in Orlando in August. And I know you're going to enjoy them this morning. And uh, throughout these next weeks, you've been or will be hearing from some of them. And so we're uh, delighted that they're with us this morning to share their ministry with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for these wonderful words of encouragement we've received today. We ask now that you bless this offering, that you multiply it, that you continue to give strength to Dr. Lehman and insight as he shares your principles with this nation and this world. We thank you for that. We ask that you will give his time with his family in these next days a wonderful blessing of your presence, your love and joy and laughter. We give you thanks for that. Now bless this offering and multiply it for your use. We thank you. Amen.
2: Glory Where my Savior died down where for cleansing from sin I cried. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to His name, glory to His name, glory to His. To my heart was the blood applied Glory to His name Come to this fountain so rich and sweet Cast thy poor soul at thy Savior's feet Plunge into today and be made complete Glory to His name Glory to His name Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Glory, 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 glory to his name. Oh glory, 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 glory to his name. Glory, 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 glory to his name. Glory, glory, glory.
0: that was great thank you would you all stand please i are going to give dr lehman a chance to get back to uh back where his books are you can spend some time talking with him i want to remind you that next week we begin a new series called lost